Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Howlin' Hoops podcast. As always, it's Kyle and Tom, and we have got another another episode for you guys here. It's a uh, might be a little bit of a doozy. We this Wolfpack Nation is definitely on their uh, got their emotions going all over the place like a roller coaster. Uh, it's been a been an interesting. Interesting day since that Clemson game, that's for sure. Uh, a lot of highs, a lot of lows, a lot of in-betweens. So we got a lot a lot to s- kind of cover here. Um, we'll just start out with Syracuse, my man. I mean, well, I mean, what a tale of two halves. I mean, I this is we're recording this after the Sunday after the Boston college game. And I'm still kind of scratching my head about that Syracuse game. Just not really sure what happened there, my man. It just kind of fell apart in that first half. It looked like we just did not come prepared on, on that defensive end. And it's so interesting, just interesting and not, and kind of horrible to say the least knowing that Keats is a a guy who is all about that defensive mentality and aggression. And then we come out and play a team that we've already played this season before, mind you, and give up 55 points in the first half, letting a guy get eight out of his nine three-pointers. Uh, three I mean, it's just it – t- it was tough to watch because, you know, Keats is, Keats is that defensive-minded guy. So – and we've pride ourselves we've we prided ourselves on being a good defensive team all year long and i think we have been a good defensive team all year long but that game was i mean that first half was i'm just hoping i can erase that from my memory for the rest of time i don't i don't know if i will but i'm hoping i can yeah i mean it was just lackluster performance like the rotations were horrible i mean they have one shooter and that's chris bell and we constantly left him wide open and that's just a that's just a like a personnel issue like that is 100 on keats the issues we had defensively in the first half are on him because we just did not come ready to play um we did a good what i thought was a good job limiting judah mince i mean the first half he was in foul trouble barely scored but chris bell had 26 in the first half if a guy starts the game and hits three or four threes, you would think, okay, let's not leave him open the rest of the half. But no. We continued to just let him get rhythm, catch-and-shoot jumpers. We did not make him, uh, you know, put the ball on the floor at all. It was just catch-shoot, 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 catch-shoot. And that's just horrible. It's flat-out horrible. <laughs> it's it's bad. I mean, he had maybe a couple like, you know, pump fake dribble to the side. Oh, and then yeah, but the pump fake, fight. the pump fake sent our defender into the third row. Dude, you and I both are are really upset about, you know, our house. You know, our defense is good. They're aggressive. You know, we love that. But for some reason, it's it still blows my mind that they don't know how to sometimes play defense at almost the middle school level where you're teaching kids how to make sure that they don't fall for pump fakes. It's it, it's important to stay grounded on your feet. You know, don't go for block shots. You know, people, if you are an aggressive team like that 
and you do go for pump fakes, that's where teams can easily bite you. And that's that's exactly one of the things I think that ends up resulting in us losing games. It's because it's not in the stat sheet, but it's a little technical things like that where we get a little lazy on defense or we we try to contest a shot when you know they easily when they haven't picked up their dribble yet or where they're or they haven't even started their dribble yet. Sorry, but you know where they're where they still have their dribble alive yet we still somehow are it just it's like it's just undisciplined and and that and that really makes me more mad than anything because the number one priority of that is like we said before Keats it's his job to make sure that we are not that we are fundamentally and technically sound in all aspects of the game and even though you do have an aggressive defense, why on earth do we have guys falling for pump fakes? And this is guys literally, I mean, we've got, you know, our starting five plus three or four guys on the bench that are constantly doing this. Everybody's falling for fakes. Like that, that makes me more angry, I think, than anything else, because you teach that stuff at a middle school level, even maybe an elementary school level to not fall for a pump fake. And we still do it all the time. And, and the one thing about falling for the pump fakes, it's not like we're, you know, getting a little off balance on the pump fakes. We are flying by, like, just as high as you can jump, trying to block a jump shot and just letting wide open three-point attempts. And, like, it's not even like we played that bad on the offensive end. We played pretty well, 45% from the field, 39% from three. And we shot... 29 free throws like you can't ask for more than that and and yet because we gave up 55 points in the first half we still end up losing the game you know and it's just super frustrating to 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 show that you know keats knew knew how to stop them because we made half or halftime adjustments and we gave up 23 less points 23 <laughs> it's like he knows knows what to do, but just di- decided, yeah, no, we're not going to do it in the first half. Like, what? Yeah, I mean, it's so bad because uh, when I was driving home, I heard him on the uh, on the post game that he was when he was talking, and I think I mentioned to you that mentioned this to you earlier when I, you know when I first heard it. But you know, I'm going to paraphrase this, essentially what he said. I don't know if it, this was his exact words, but when they were asking him about the first half performance, it's like it's on our players and it's on me. And it's it's the problem is with that Keats is it's not on the it's not on the players. You have a game plan that you set in motion for the players to execute. So they go, they listen to you because they think you know what you're talking about, and they go and start running. You know what you have destined them to do and the game plan that you have for them in this game. Okay, first few possessions you see. Okay, we need to make some adjustments quickly because it's getting bad early. And clearly we're leaving people open, we're falling for pump fakes, we're blowing by people. It's not it's not a good look essentially. So, what did we need to do in that first media timeout? Figure out a way to fix it. And what happened? The whole rest of that half Bell kept shooting like nobody was around. And a lot of the time, nobody was around. And 
it was like that you and I also talked about this, how it was just like we were trapping high on the perimeter, but that's an issue because, I mean, against Syracuse, because, you know, they are long and lanky, but then we have DJ Burns, who's one of the guys that's trapping up top on the perimeter. So all they got to do is throw down to one of the big guys. Immediately, our guys collapse, leaving Chris Bell wide open in the corner. And there's no reason to double to trap ball screens against them because, uh, like I said, other than Bell, like they're not consistent shooting behind the arc. Just go. You can go under the screen on Judah Mintz. If Judah Mintz wants to sit there and shoot threes all game, and and he hits them, so be it. That I can live with that. You know, it's the giving up three on two where we got two defenders defending three guys, or you know, stuff like that. It's just. Just poor. Just poor. It, it's poor. It's poor. And so, you know, it, in, uh, all with that, it's just like, you know, he's saying it's on the players and it's on me. And it's like, no, Keats. It's no, it's not just on, on you. Player. It's just on you because you are the one that's drawing up the game plan. They, they're okay. Yes. Maybe they needed a little bit better of, you know, basketball IQ, maybe in the moment after you said, hey, let's make some adjustments. But the problem is it didn't look like you made any adjustments. It looked like, you just said, okay, we need to figure all you said. I think it sounded like all you said in that first media timeout or in any media timeout that we had in the first half, you were like, okay, we need to find a way to stop them. But then you didn't have a game plan to stop him until you're like, okay, now it's the second half. We'll figure out a way to stop him and he'll go cold and yada, yada, yada. But it's just like, I mean, like when you get 55 points scored on you in that, in a first half, of a game Syracuse, the game before against Georgia tech, when they lost had 60 for the entire game, the entire game. And they nearly got that against us in one half on the road. Yeah. And you know, we haven't even gotten to Claudia Copeland, but it's just another mistake by Keats. Like why, why is, a guy who's a non-threat shooting the ball, a guy who wants to get to the basket and, you know, create opportunities at the rim and, uh, you know, uh, create opportunities on the offensive glass. Why do we have Michael O'Connell, one of our smallest players on him? It doesn't make any sense. Why, why did we go away from or, – or why was Diara on I, – I forget who he was guarding most of the game. I'm pretty sure it was uh, – it was probably Bell most of the game. And that doesn't make any sense. Bell is a guy who's not going to crash the glass as effectively as Quadrier Copeland is. And we didn't make an adjustment on that. Copeland is not was not a threat shooting from behind the arc. So DR could play a step off of him. He's got the length to match up with Copeland. And he's a guy who would, would be able to rebound the ball. And we just didn't. And we just let him. I, he had four offense rebounds, and I think every single one of them led to a bucket. Yeah, and they were. I guess they were all on Michael O'Connell because you know Michael O'Connell's trying to get that space, but Quadrier Copeland is so much longer and so much more agile than yeah. O'Connell is, and he's able to just slip by him it, or just, just shoot over it, him. It was poor. It was oh, poor. Yeah, it was poor. And you know some of that could be Michael O'Connell's fault, but some of that is also probably just on bad matchup. And you're mm-hmm. like. Why is he trying to guard Quadir Copeland when we have other people that can guard him? And it just was, it was just a, it was just chaos. I mean, in the first half we had, I mean, we literally put 
three different guys on on Chris Bell. I think we put like more sell on him. We put um, I think we put DJ Horn on him. Um, and then I think maybe a little bit of Diara. I don't know, a little bit, but like there might have been another person on our on our lineup that we're like, oh, let's just put a guard on him, and then he won't get a shot. And after, even though we did that, he still got like six more, whatever, like three, four more three point opportunities that he cashed in. Yeah. Uh, to me, the the matchup should have been of the five guys on Syracuse who played the most minutes. It should have been. Uh, Taylor on Mintz, Horn on Starling, uh, Morcel on Bell, uh, Diara on Copeland, and Burns or Middlebrooks on uh, Brown. Like that, that's sh- that is just what makes sense. And from a fan standpoint, I I consider myself as someone that you know knows the game of basketball pretty well. But I'm not a Division One basketball coach, and the fact that I understand that and Keats just did not get that is just horrible. It's just horrible. It's not a good look for him, my man. It just it was not a good look, and it's it, it's tough because you know sometimes we and because then and and then it's the state NC State way where we you know you find a way to come back in the second half, you give us hope, and then at the end you just you know. It's a gut wrenching, heartbreaking loss at the end because we just can't find a way to, you know, win. And I and I really am not. I'm not upset, and I'm not upset as much as the the inbounds play to try to get DJ Horn to sh- get a shot off at the end. But because because really we should have never been in that position to begin with. So the fact that we got put in that position. In a in a in a sense, you can't really blame Keats for trying to draw up a play that you know. No, some, I don't blame like him for time, drawing it. It looks like play. some timing issues. It looks like some timing issues, like because yeah. Michael Connor didn't throw him the ball, like DJ Horn the ball quick enough. If he gets it to him quicker, he might get a better shot off. You know, and as far as Copeland maybe fouling him, you know, no, I was right. There. I don't. I don't think he fouled him because you know. DJ Horn is definitely trying to create some contact there, which, you know, I think any shooter would in that scenario. It's just, we should have never been in that position to begin with. So I don't, it, it just like, it might've not been like, it, it might've been a good play call. It's just that it's not, it, it, it just, we should have never been in that position. And I don't know, this game might've really just, it might've ruined our chance to get to the tournament. I mean, it, it puts, an enormous amount of pressure on us for the next, you know, four four games that we have left. Yeah, we I have mean, to beat both Duke and Carolina. We have to, um, but we'll see. We we'll have to beat both of them. We have to win the ACC tournament, which ain't happening. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, this is brutal. I mean, all those stats. You you think that you with, with that stat line, you're thinking, oh, we, we might have pulled out a win with you know eighty three percent free throw, you know, almost thirty nine percent three point and. 46% from the field. It's just like, you know, you see those stats, you're like, oh, we probably probably won the game with 83 points. It's like, nope. Well, they Gave outdid us in every category. 50% from two, 53% from three, and 95% from the free throw line. So Yeah, and then you look at that and you're like, great, awesome. So yep. anyway, Syracuse, we don't want to, we don't want, we don't really want to focus on that game. We'll focus more on the good stuff. So Boston College, uh, Saturday game. Uh, we looked like, a completely different team to start out the game. Um, 
We got DJ Burns the ball early, which I loved. You know, get him involved early, get post, making sure Quentin Post actually, you know, plays a little bit of defense, you know, get him a little bit rattled. We actually forced BC to commit a lot of turnovers to start the game, which is really, which was a, a, a nice momentum uh, shift, I guess, to start the game. We haven't really started games out very hot this year and kind of getting Boston College to commit a few turnovers early. That helped us, but we also didn't take advantage of all of those opportunities as well. I mean, we, I think in the first four minutes, there were nine turnovers uh, combined. So it was not, not, a, not a great game. It was a little bit sloppy, just, but, but we found a way to kind of, kind of, ease into the game we had a lot of balanced scoring which is great that's really what we need to see more of this year and and truthfully the balanced scoring was all really in in thanks to making sure that we could keep Quentin Post you know limited I mean the guy only played you know 20 minutes and we were able to kind of force him to get in foul trouble early I mean he only finished with six points and it was it was great to limit his production because it really threw Boston College in a in this funk. It kind of got him out of rhythm. They didn't really know what to do, and it allowed us to essentially control the game. And that was that was a big success for us. And it was really you know I think Keats definitely got on him about the Syracuse game. It was like we have to start out defensively way better than we you know we have been. And so it was great. It was great to see them. It's great to see the pack control the game. And I was very, very pleased with that effort because, you know, you got a lot of pressure. The 74 team was there in the building, you know, so you got, you got to represent and they, they handled business and they, they represented well. Yeah. Uh, like you said, the turnovers, we had 16, we forced 16 turnovers to, and we had 18 points off the turnovers, which isn't, which isn't great, but 18 points off turnovers is better than we have been getting mm -hmm. even if we're having a game where we first force a ton of turnovers so i mean that was good to see um another pretty solid game uh from Jaden taylor which was uh, good to see because uh you know horn didn't have his his streak of 20 plus point games ended um he had 11 in the first half and two in the second half so i mean that was coming we saw that coming i mean he's not he's not going to stay at at that level um all season but it was good to see other guys like marcel taylor uh Burns was assertive, like um, Mo hit a couple threes. Like we, we all can, they all contributed and that was good to see, you know, it was, it was, and I'm thankful. And I'm really, really, really happy about uh, the way Mo DR is playing. I mean, he is, he is honestly that, that spark that we have really needed this uh, kind of, as we uh, go into these last couple games, you know, he, he played a, he played a pretty good role at, uh, in, in the Syracuse game, just, you know, the game plan obviously wasn't quite there, but Diara Diara is proving himself to be a valuable asset to this team. And I know you and I have, you know, touched on this a few times, but you know, he is, he is such a great catalyst for us because he is a guy. He, he he'll be the guy that will, he and Middlebrooks will be a guy that will run down a chase, be, get a chase down block. I mean, Middlebrooks did that a couple times in the BC game where he just, he showed his effort and his ability to just, you know, play both sides of the ball. And Diara did the same thing. And, you know, once Diara hit that first three that he took, you know, he got, he, that boosted his confidence a little bit and they just kept going and going and going. And 
it was great to see him, you know, play at that level that we know he can play at, you know, almost getting a double double, you know, two points shy, one rebound shy. I mean, it's good stuff to see because he is a valuable asset to the team. And I'm very I'm I'm looking forward to him continuing that. And I think <laughs> another funny thing at, you know, just looking at this stat line right here, I'm sure Keats got on a got on Michael O'Connell for sure about his uh his kind of lackluster performance against uh, Syracuse and the guy finished with six points but nine rebounds so he he made a little adjustment there and um and six assists no turnovers so that's that's the Michael O'Connell we've been missing the last maybe one or two games this you know the guy that's going to get you your assists. He's going to find the open guy. He's going to move. He's going to control the offense the way it's supposed to be controlled, without turning the ball over. So it was great to see that. Yeah, going back to Dr. and Millbrooks. I mean, four steals and three blocks combined. Um, and then Dr. If he's able to keep his consistency over uh, at from behind the behind the arc at a you know a larger attempts that keeps it around 36 to 40 i mean he's going to be a guy i mean even going into the next year that's just going to be a dominant force because we're gonna i mean we're gonna need it um losing a couple guys but yeah i mean expect to see a lot of mo and ben uh in these next two games that we're going to talk about Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, they're 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 valuable. They're valuable to this squad. And, you know, us getting 14 offensive rebounds, you know, Middlebrooks had three of them. DR had three of them. Burns had three of them. I mean, that that those are numbers that, you know, they do show up on the stat sheet. But just being but just witnessing it in person just to see them really actually giving it 110 percent and getting and allowing us to get extra possessions is is a major thing. And I think it's been harped on over the course of the year with Keats being able to, you know, rally these guys to, you know, give that 110%. And it's it's good to see, it's good to see us crashing the glass and you know, all, all that, all that great stuff. I think I will say the one issue with that is that there were a few times Boston College just, you know, they were they were able to get buckets in transition that just didn't seem at all correct. Like how on earth did they, how was that guy wide open down the floor? I think our, our aggression is a good thing and us trying to get offensive rebounds is a great thing. Even when we score or we don't score, I think our transition defense, these last couple of games against Syracuse and, and against Boston college have been a little, little bit on the struggle bus. You know, we've, we've kind of let, we've been a little bit lazy on some, I mean, granted, it's it's not at all the time that it's happening. It, it does seem like a trend, though, because we saw it's it. A trend. Against, it's a trend against Carolina in the first game. Um, and it's not even like off turnovers, man. It's like, yeah, off, off, off made baskets, rebounds, <laughs> off made baskets. Like, how the mm, are you not getting mad? Like, how do you like how is Keats not on them about that? Like, there was one in particular where uh, Horn. Horn made a jumper in the middle of the lane, and then he's rocking the cradle going back, and the ball's going over his head for a layup. Like, what are you yeah, doing? It, happen- it happens too much because the problem is, is like when that happens, our guys celebrate. I mean, look, I, I don't want to talk about our guys celebrating a made basket because that's just, I just don't feel like that's worth our time. But 
but the problem is, is like when we, when our guys do make baskets or that they just seem to be a little bit, they, a little bit delayed in getting set up in their defense to the point where DJ Burns has to, for quote unquote, sprint down, yeah. the, down the other side of the court. And that's another thing. Like, this is not a knock on Burns. It's just who he is. He is not quick. So when, especially when he's the one that makes the basket, our guards have got to sprint back because he's not going to beat, he's not going to beat players down the court. Or Burns is not going to beat players down the court if he's shooting a shot. And even off, even off a made basket, like our our guards, especially O'Connell and uh, Morcel, you know, experienced guys who you know, are known to be glue guys. Like that has to be their focus. Like easy buckets in transition just kill you on the defensive end. Kills momentum. Like yeah. Yeah. And obviously it's not a knock on Burns. He just he's just not quick. So he can't get back as fast. And I think with you know Keats's aggression, you know, aggressive defense, you know, that comes with either on a made or missed basket, we're playing full court defense. So as soon as a guy gets past our first defender or line of defense, th- th- they're gonna they're gonna kind of do whatever they want because our guys are not really ready. Like they're not they're not they're not ready for Jaden Taylor to let the guy go by so quickly or Casey Morcel to let the guy go by so quickly. They think they they're just mentally thinking, oh, he's got him. He's gonna wait. He's gonna make him, you know, dribble up. You know, almost force a 10 second violation, and that's not always the case. So we need to we really need to get better at, you know, getting back in transition defense because Lord knows that is going to be a major thing in these next in these last four games that we need to really, really harp on. Because well, especially the next two, because, you know, we, I just talked about it. Uh, Carolina did it to us uh, at PNC and Florida State's a team that just loves getting out in transition. Creating turnovers, stuff like that. I mean, we'll talk about it uh, soon here, but you know, it's that needs to be a focus in practice. Like, drill it into their heads. Like, even on a made basket, our responsibility is making sure that somebody is back on defense before we pick up. Because I can count the number of of uh, ten second violations on one hand, probably compared yeah, to the compared to the numbers of of like easy train transition baskets that teams got have gotten off made buckets you know yeah like have like set have a designated person like a Jaden taylor like more sell because more sells normally going to be guarding the guy bringing the ball up right so have it in like harp on him we're trying to get have keats like harp in practice have one person be the guy to pick up the ball but everybody else has to sprint back don't be picking up your man like when they're still in the backcourt especially you know? since we switch on ball screens like the guy that that you pick <laughs> up at the beginning of the possession is not going to be the guy you finish the possession garden most no, times. mostly mostly not especially in this defense uh move on to Florida state i guess yeah, I mean, you know, we did a good job of, you know, I, I'll just say the last thing is just, you know, make sure uh, we did a great job of, again, limiting Quentin Post and made other people beat us. And that was really, really the the turning point in the game is, you know, mm-hmm. they're really they're they're not a they're not a great team without him. And so, I mean, the, 
yeah, they're not a great team without Quentin Post. So getting him to have a lot of minutes, you know, on the bench is is what we is essentially essentially why we won the game because we made some other people beat us at you know, we we were fine with them shooting jumpers or or things like that, but you know, all in all we we took care of business. We 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 made the 74 team proud and you know, that's all that's all that matters is just, you know, taking advantage of home court unfortunately we didn't against Syracuse but I digress with you know Boston College hopefully hopefully we can find a rhythm for these these next two games for sure my man all right and on that note we'll go into uh Florida State um a team who started the season off pretty poorly they found a rhythm in conference play and they're one of the more dangerous teams in the conference they play a really uh, similar style to what we do, and I expect you know a s- extremely up and down kind of a almost a sloppy game. Um, you know, under Coach Hamilton, FSU has been known for like their large rotations and pressuring the ball on the defensive end, trying to create turnovers and make it difficult for teams to get into their half court offense. Um, if the pack wants to go to Tallahassee and come away with the win, they need to take care of the ball and not let. Uh, FSU's defense rattled them. Um, we're going to need a big performance from the big trio inside of Burns, CR, and Middlebrooks uh, to limit FSU's ability to get on the glass as well. Um, and their star player uh, is Jameer Watkins. He's a six-seven transfer from VCU, and he's undoubtedly their best player. Um, the only guy on their roster to play to average. Uh, or one of two guys on their roster to average more than 27 minutes uh, per game, which is a, a which is not which is super unusual for uh, co- teams coached by uh, Coach Ham. Um, he's averaging 15 points, six boards, and three assists, and he's been a double digit scorer in every single conference game but one, and I believe he got injured in that game. Um, and he does most of his work inside and in the mid range. Um, he's going to be super active on the boards to try and create ex- extra opportunities on the offensive end. Um, I think we really match up well in general with this team. Uh, and especially with him in terms of like, you know, the physicality Casey brings, um, he's going to be the primary defender on Watkins most of the night. And I feel like he can really limit the effectiveness of, of Jameer, uh, on the glass and, you know, driving to the basket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Another guy for sure. Uh, you know, Primo Spears, that that transfer guy from Georgetown, you know, th- so that like this guy comes off the bench, um, you know, he's but, you know, they'll take away from the fact that just because he's coming off the bench doesn't mean he's not important. I mean, this guy's an instant impact. So, you know, he's not going to be an efficient shooter, but, you know, he is going to he can be a guy that, you know, creating a shot off the bounce or, you know, finding his teammates for open shots or, you know, just being being a guy that's going to just being another guy that you have to worry about is something that, you know, state maybe not, isn't as strong in this year. So hopefully we don't take, we don't take away from, you know, just the, just the, you know, star player, you know, focus on, focus on everybody, you know, from top to bottom, Primo Spears is definitely one of those guys we need to watch out for because, he can he can be a difference maker in the game if we're not if we're not careful because you know despite not shooting the ball very well like we've said before you play college basketball 
you might have a you might have an on night and you might be able to take over a game if if we're if you're not careful and or if 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 you're if you're good if you're good enough essentially or if the other team is not careful and it's uh it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see if we can uh you know, just li- limit, limit people, limit people's ability. You know, we're not, we're not going to be able to stop everybody, but if you limit production in the ways that you need to, by the end of the game, even if they do get a couple, you know, bounces their way, it won't matter in the end because you've already secured enough lead to where you you've limited their ability to really make an impact in the game. And, you know, we have to make sure that we don't let Primo do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's instant offense. Um, and the next guy we want to talk about is Darren Green Jr., 6'5", senior guard, who is their most dangerous shooter. And he's similar to what Chris Bell is for Syracuse. Um, he is the only guy that we cannot, like, get going from deep. Nobody else on the team is an is a super efficient uh, three-point shooter on, you know, a, a good amount of attempts, so – we just need to make it difficult for him, like disrupt him on the catch, make him create off the bounce. You know, if he if if we run him off three point line, and he takes a one dribble pull up into the mid range. I'd rather that than a than a catch and shoot uncontested three point shot. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's. He's a guy that can get hot and can be a big difference maker for them. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess the last guy we'll touch on here is uh is a uh, Baba Miller, the the six eleven forward guy. Uh, he's averaging eight and five. Uh, he's could very well make a big impact in the game. You know, with his size, his ability to you know kind of get to the basket. Uh, he'll be uh it'll be interesting. You know, him and Dr are you know pretty similar in their in their game in their gameplay. Um, so which we've mentioned before with Diara, you know, their impact could go, his impact could go beyond the stat, that stat sheet. So, you know, as Baba and Diara, both very versatile defenders, they're good shot blockers. It'll, it'll, it'll be an interesting, interesting task to see how we can really match up against him and find a way to slow him down, not let him get in any kind of rhythm, um, you know, he's not, I mean, he's shooting 32% from three. So he's not, you know, super strong from there, but, you know, doesn't mean that he can't make one. So, I mean, he's, you know, 40, 48%, 47% from the field. So, you know, he'll find a way he'll, he can find ways to score just because, you know, he, his height is, you know, is a major factor for him. And so if we can, we can put somebody on him to just, you know, get him uncomfortable, you know, they're going to be playing at home. They 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 are gonna already feel comfortable because they're playing at home. So if we can get out early, make it uncomfortable for them to disrupt them in any way possible, disrupt their uh, flow of the game, like we did against Boston College, it will work out in our favor. You know, we say it all the time: disrupt the flow of the game for the opponent and control the game. It's not it's it's going to be the most important in this game because of how because of the implications, essentially, like where we are in the season. It's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, one more one more player that I want to mention is Cam Corn. Um, you know, he, he's been injured all, a decent amount of this year, but he's he's come back into somewhat of a flow um, into the rotation back into the starting lineup uh, last year against us. He had 
16 and 6 in only 24 minutes played. Uh, he's dealing with some foul trouble. So he, he's a guy who can definitely have an impact against us. Um, but he's somewhat, uh, you know, th their defensive style is one of the keys to the game, I guess, um, because they switch one through five. So if we can create mismatches, like put DJ into a ball screen and then uh, have them switch corn onto horn or vice versa, having the point guard guarding burns, like we can create opportunities to down low for DJ. Um, and that'll kind of force FSU to double team him. And he's, if, if he's as efficient as he's been passing the ball, over the last couple of games, and we should be able to create a lot of open shot opportunities. And obviously, hopefully that will bode well for us. Yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll see. I mean, we gotta, we gotta limit turnovers, man. It's just, it's the name of the game for us. You know, we, we find a way to limit turnovers on the road. Good things will happen for us. Um, you know, FSU's they're ball Hawks, you know, 15 turnovers, a, a game that they're, that they're forcing. So we, we take care of the ball, man. Take care of the ball, prevent offensive rebounds, get out in transition, find open shooters, move the ball around on the offense, and get a high quality shot. And you should be okay. I mean, we should be okay if we do those things, just the simple things. And I would love to see less than Tom. I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to I'm going to say. I will be pleased if I see less than five um, shot attempts on a pump fake. I would I would love to see us not fall for less than five pump fakes for this game. I think we can do that just because Florida State is not a deep threat, especially if we we're able to limit Darren Green. Um, they don't really have guys that you're really going to fall for that that pump fake. But, you know, we'll see. Now we're going to move on to the second meeting against UNC on uh, on Saturday. It's uh it's going to be a doozy up in uh, at that Dean Dome. You know, Carolina took care of business in PNC in early January. They they have, you know, despite losing a few games here and there, uh Carolina has, you know, they they have been the most consistent ACC team all year long, I think, and um or at least one of them. And I know this will be our toughest road test yet, uh, you know, especially coming off a late game against Florida State on Tuesday. You know, we'll, we'll only have a couple days to really prep for UNC. You know, hopefully we're not overlooking the Florida State game, but, you know, I'm hoping that we can, you know, get a couple a couple days rest, you know, really focus up and get ready for uh, for Carolina. You know, I know. I know they'll be ready. You know, they uh they just they just had a you know pretty big win against uh, UVA, which they haven't won there since uh 2012 or something like that. So uh I know they're feeling pretty good about themselves. It'll be it'll be a tough game. You know, state in the last meeting, they only we only shot 10% from the three-point line. You only made two of 20. Uh so that kind of after that game, it kind of made us go into a little bit of a shooting slump, essentially, for a couple games there where we really didn't, you know, we somehow found a way to win against Wake with uh, with not making a three. And so we, but then we kind of found our way back. And so I expect, I expect this game to be a little bit uh, different. I expect us to make uh, a little more than two in this game, despite being on the road in a hostile environment. But I, I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm hopeful in this game, but I will say I'm, I'm, 
I think it will be a little bit different. I don't think I really don't. I want to be, I want to be optimistic, but playing at the Dean Dome with how good Carolina is, I mean, just any anything can happen these days, but you know, care, you know, state. It'll, it'll be tough. It'll be a tough game for state. I'm I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it at all. Yeah. But I don't think Carolina's a world beater. Like they're, they're not like this, you know, I mean, they are really good, but they're not unbeatable, especially they're not unbeatable at the Dean Dome. They've lost, uh, they lost to Clemson in the Dean Dome. Um, and we beat them and we beat Clemson. So if we play well enough, I think we can do it ourselves. We played, awful against them the first time and you know hoping hopefully the law of averages goes our way this game and we can hit a hit some shots maybe have a 30 point dj horn game um and yeah we'll see a lot of dr of this game uh you know harrison ingram dominated the glass he had 19 rebounds against his first game i think uh having dr in there for a majority of the minutes will help us uh, kind of limit that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just limiting RJ Davis's effectiveness and limiting uh, Ingram's effectiveness on the glass. I, I wouldn't say, like I like you said, I'm not hopeful, but I think we can get the job done. Yeah, there, there's there, it. We're getting close to March, man. So really, anything can happen. I mean, when we play Carolina, it will be technically in the month of March. So. Anything can happen when March comes around, but yep. you know, keeping RJ uh, RJ Davis and Baycott, you know, at bay, you know, they they both didn't have staggering numbers against us. They didn't really have a a great game against us either. They didn't shoot the ball well. That, but but I will say this, you know, they are going to be playing at home. They're going to like you know, Florida State will be playing at home, but they will have that opportunity to just kind of be you know smooth sailing. They'll 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 have a little bit less pressure on them, I think, just because I mean they're not maybe not less pressure, but you know, they're playing in front of the home crowd. So, you know, they'll they'll have a little a little more of a level of comfortability. Um, you know, we just have to play pretty much de- def- defensive wise, you know, we we kept RJ Davis in check and Bacon in check. So if we can, you know, continue to limit their uh, you know, level of productivity in this game, like we kind of did in the game that we lost to, but you know, that was just because we had a poor offensive night, you know, defensive wise, you only give up 67 points to a Carolina team who can, you know, who can run you out of the gym essentially with how many points they score. You know, there it's a, it's a give and take at this point. You don't, you don't really know what's going to happen. You know, you just kind of can hope for the best at, at the end of the day, I the the one thing I will say is I'm really, like you said, I'm 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 looking forward to more minutes from Middlebrooks and Dr. in this game because, you know, that pick and roll that they would run at that end at the end of that game when we were trying to come back, we weren't making shots, and then they would just run that pick and roll against DJ Burns, and he just looked lost up at the top of the perimeter. It it, it was tough. It was tough to watch because you know there was no way to stop it. And so I think they're going to try to put again. They're going to try to put DJ in so many different pick and roll situations to the point where that that's probably the only play that they will run when he's in the game. And then when they take him out, you know, Diara and Middlebrooks are much more you know versatile. They'll be they'll have to run probably some other plays. But I think Diara will probably be a good matchup on Harrison Ingram just to kind of keep him off the glass. 
Lord knows we need to make sure that he does not, you know, kind of do what he wants. Because, you know, Harrison Ingram can also kind of shoot the three. So Diara is a great, a great defender for that because of how, you know, lanky and, you know, quick he is. Yeah. Get, keep him off the three-point line if he makes one or two. Diara's immediately put Diara on him and be like, no, 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 you're not. You got to find a way to score other than just sitting back here and uh, jacking up threes at this point. Yeah, and then, I mean, we talked about it earlier. The the transition defense just gotta limit them in transition. You can't let them get easy buckets, especially if we're, especially if we play to the level we did defensively um, in the first game. You know, holding them to only sixty seven points, but a lot of that, you know, came in transition, came off second chance points, got to limit them on the glass and in transition. Yeah, it's, it's it's really it, my man. It just it. We're not. I. I do you? Ha- I don't know if you have a score prediction for this, but you know, I'm. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Obviously, Carolina will most likely find a way to win. If I'm being realistic, uh, I mean, I don't know. Do you hope for? I mean, you got to hope for a less than less than ten point loss at that point. At this point, you know, just because you know you we, we lost you what sixty seven to fifty four with fifty three the last the last outing. So yeah, just keep it keep it close. Keep that's it close. I, keep it close. Keep it close, and you know, show if you if you stick around and you make it a game, anybody can win in that last four minutes. If you keep it within seven for the majority of the game, yeah. Anybody can win that last four minutes. Yeah, keep it in the single digits, man. You know, if we can, if we can hang around with them for all the way until about those maybe four minutes or something, we might have a chance. And you know, it, even if we end up come, falling a little bit short, but you know, we still show that we, you know, only lost by a couple points here and there. I, it, it could, it could. I'm not saying that it might mean anything, but you know, hopefully, the you know the the tournament gods above will see that and say, okay, well, you know, state did hang in there with Carolina, you know, that they are a different team now, you know, hopefully, you know, they've grown a little bit since, you know, that first meeting and, you know, it'll, it'll, the, what's what really sucks though about playing Carolina on Saturday is that two days later, you got to come, you know, turn around and play Duke. I mean, it's just, that that's tough for me because usually we've had more time to kind of prep for Duke or prep for Carolina prep for both and, of them, but yeah. yeah. And now we have to play them literally on a back to back in a matter of three days, which is just, Oh, I makes my, it, it grinds my gears. Yeah. But for whatever reason we play well against Duke um, in PNC. So hopefully, well, especially hopefully we don't overlook the Florida state game. Um, Cause we need to win that if we have any, any chance. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say our chances are zero, but they're very slim to make the tournament. And we have to have almost every single one going forward. Yeah. Yeah. We need, we need, we need a, we need a miracle and we, we need it fast, but um, I mean, any, anything else you want to hit, hit on? I, I know, uh, I know you went to the, uh, the, weight game with the Duke and everything, all that fiasco. What, uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, on, on Shire's, uh, comments about a uh, court storming? Uh, okay. It's a four point game with 1.8 seconds left. You're inbounding the ball on the other end of the court. The likelihood that a team fouls and you hit an in one three 
is like slim to none, first of all. So you know the, the court storming's coming. Get your star players off the court. <laughs> and that then then none of this happens, you know? And that was one of the biggest games for Wake in a long time, in like seven years. So of course the students are gonna be excited. I mean, there was that was the, like the whole student population was there. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Um it it's gonna be hard for any type of security to stop to stop that. Um and it was unfortunate that, you know, Filipowski got hurt, hurt in quotations. Mm -hmm. Um but I mean you can say it either way. You could say he initiated the contact or the fan did, but none of that happens if you know he hurries off the court instead of dilly dallying or just Shire takes um the guys off the court, just inbounds it. Um and you know, none of that happens. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think Shire's a little he might be a little butt hurt because you know he plays he played for Duke and you know they're part of the Duke organization that you know they've never been the one to storm a court. They've always got like storm courted essentially. Yeah. For, I think, I think people that are upset about that real never, never was, were part of a organization that had the opportunity to storm the court. So I, I think that's where, that's where at least I stand on it. I think, I think people are a little, a little salty about certain things. And so they're, they're trying to, they're trying to, you know, all act all tough in that, in that moment. But I, that's just my opinion. I don't know. Yep. I don't know. We'll see. Um, well, guys, this is uh, th uh, thank you for listening, my guys. This is uh, another episode of the Howlin' Hoops podcast. We do greatly appreciate you guys listening in. Um, thank you, thank you so much for your support. Uh, you know, keep liking us on uh, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you know, keep following us. You know, we're we're we, we're continuing this thing, my man. So you know, we're we're. We really do appreciate all the support. We're very, we're very grateful for it. We're grateful for all the listens, and um, you know, we'll we'll see you guys uh, next week after the uh, after the NC, after the UNC game. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, in other words, uh, go pack, baby. Go pack.